You're listening to the Avenue Church Podcast. Our desire is that this message will inspire you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. For more info and to connect with us, visit us online at theavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening. But we had a great time. It's been an incredible, incredible 10 weeks. I mean, I tell you, it changed my life not having to prepare every week content, and, and it was just refreshing and wonderful. I got to spend a lot of time with my family. I spent a lot of time with my grandkids. I mean, a lot. <laughs> Borderline, maybe too much. I mean, if you're a grandparent, you understand that. You can't wait to see them. And then when they leave, you're like, Whew, thank God they're gone. Because uh, it's hard. I know why God gave children to young people, because old people can't handle it. We just, we cannot, we, it looks like we have more patience, but it's only for short periods of time. And so we had so much fun with this. We've had some adventures. Some of them have been great. Some of them not so great. And I'll share stories along the way. We, uh, we bought a new car on a Thursday and we took it on a trip the next Thursday and um, we got stranded in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Albuquerque, New Mexico is not Texas. I can just tell you that. It was a very horrible time. Uh, and we had to find a rent car to, to drive home. It was that bad. And so we had some adventures like that that weren't great. But for the most part, it's incredible. And I could not have done this unless I had a great group of elders, men that help lead this church spiritually. They're an incredible bunch of men. And they forced me to be gone and, and to get refreshed, which I appreciate. I've got an incredible staff. They have worked harder with me gone than they work with me here. They have accomplished so much this summer. Uh, it has been incredible. You can give them a hand. Yeah, they have done more than, than I can imagine. They've rebranded new websites and new changes in here. I mean, all kinds of things have been going on without me here. And I'm so proud of the staff that God has brought into this place. But what I'm most proud of is a mature church. You. For 78 years, this church has existed. Today is their anniversary. 78 years today. And that's exciting to be part of something that has a legacy. I've been able and blessed to be their pastor for 31 years. And that's been an incredible ride. And I appreciate the fact that there's a mature body of believers that follow Jesus and not a preacher. That you kept coming without the preacher. You kept serving. You kept doing the things because you don't follow a man you follow the Son of Man. You follow Jesus Christ. I know you had some great preaching. I listened to most of it uh, throughout the weeks. My favorite was Chase Brown, but I'm a partial to that. The other guys did adequate job too. They did incredible. Our staff did an incredible job, and I know you've been blessed. That's such a relief to know that you've had great teaching all summer long, but it is so good to be back. Now, part of a sabbatical, and those of you that don't understand sabbaticals, I get it. I mean, what kind of job do you have that gives you 10 weeks off? Well, preaching gives you 10 weeks off. And one of the reasons that they want you to take off is it gave me some time to study in a way that I can't do when I'm preparing messages and when I'm uh, running the things at the church. I, I don't have time to give extended period of time to study some of the things that I want to study. And one of the things I determined to study on this break was something that I've been seeing for the last few years that has troubled me. It's troubled me. Now, you know that my heart beats for unchurched people. Uh, we've built a church around the model to reach unchurched people and introduce them to Jesus. Some of you are here today because the church model is to reach unchurched people. You never dreamed you'd be sitting in church, and, and you're here today because of that model. But something that I've been noticing in the last few years, and it really picked up steam in the last 20 months, 
is people walking away from faith. People walking away. People giving up. And I'm not just talking about giving up at church. There's been a lot of that. And since this pandemic hit, churches, a lot of them are empty. Empty. And people aren't returning. And I don't know if it's fear. I don't know if it's they're out of the habit. But what I'm afraid of is many people are looking at God and saying, I'm done. There's been some high-profile Christian musicians in the last two years that have walked away from faith. There's been some pastors who have pastored for many, many years who've walked away from faith. There are people walking away from faith every day. And that troubles me. And I hear when you read about these people and you you hear their story, many of them are, you know, there may be a God. They'll give us that. There may be a God. You know, it's hard to believe that all this just happened. There may be an intelligent design, but as far as a personal God, I'm done with it. There's no such thing. I'm done with it. Jesus is a myth. And so they're, they're walking away. They're walking away. And so during this break, I, I kept asking myself this question. What would cause somebody to give up Jesus? What would cause somebody to give up Jesus? Now, I was on one of my vacations and I was reading a book called Goodbye Jesus. I got a lot of attention reading that book, by the way. Some people trying to save me, which I appreciated. Uh, <laughs> Some, some people agreeing with me, which, you know, I thought, okay, you're the one I need to talk to. And, and so I've, as I studied it, I tried to ask myself the question, what would cause you to walk away? Now, I understand there are things that shake the foundation of your faith. I get that. We've always had those. I mean, we can't explain. Why does God allow war? I mean, some of you have fought in, in battles and you've seen people die next to you. What's the purpose in that? Famines, people starving to death. You've seen that, commercials showing children with their stomachs bloated and and flies. And you thought, God, how do you allow that? We see evil. We see children born with life-altering diseases or, or, you know, things not in the right place or, or, or deformity. And you're like, God, how do you allow that to happen. God, how do you do that? We go on to child molesters, rapists, murderers. There's all this evil in the world and we see it every day. And it's okay to ask yourself this question. God, if you're a good God, why don't you stop evil? Either you're not a good God or you're not powerful enough to stop it is where a lot of people land. And because of that, they walk away. Now, many of you, those questions come to your mind but you can push them away. And you would look at somebody that would ask those questions and say, you just gotta have faith. You just gotta have faith. You gotta believe. You just gotta have faith. And that's true. In fact, in Hebrews, we're gonna look at this chapter, chapter 11. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone that comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Jesus talked about having a childlike faith coming to Jesus and having this childlike faith. And that works, but it doesn't stop there. Many people try to keep the faith of a child, but we're intended to grow up in our faith. We can ask the hard questions. In fact, we need to ask the hard questions. And we need to have answers to those questions. For too long, the church has been silent about those things. I mean, childlike faith works until it doesn't. Childlike faith works until you don't find the answer that you're looking for. 
And when you don't find the answer you're looking for, you begin to question and the questions get personal. When you begin to pray for someone not to die, when you begin to pray for someone that is your whole life and you're praying for God to heal a disease in their life and they die, that's a hard question. Or you pray for your marriage and your spouse leaves you. But you prayed earnestly and you believed and you did everything you were supposed to do in the marriage to save it. And you asked God to intervene and God didn't show up. Or maybe you pray for your finances and two weeks later you lose your job or you lose your house. Some of you older, you pray for your children and you pray for them and you pray for them and you spend every day praying for them and then they walk away from everything you've taught them and make a wreck out of their life. Where's God in that? Where's that childlike faith? See, a lot of people have reached that point in their life and they've said, I'm done. There may be a God out there, but he must not be personal because he's not answering my prayers. Now, it's okay to ask these questions. And so many times the church has been so silent in these questions that it causes people to walk away. And when you come to the church and you ask the hard question and they just pat you on the head and say, you just gotta believe. You just gotta have faith. Well, why did my dad die of cancer? Well, you didn't have enough faith. What? What kind of God is that? What kind of game is he playing? I've got to have enough faith or people are going to die. That's not my responsibility, right? It's okay to ask the hard questions. Now, as your pastor, my entire life, I have been a skeptic. It's a natural thing for me. It's a na- I probably drove my parents crazy asking questions. I ask questions all the time. I remember the first time I questioned, was there a God? I was five years old. Five years old. And I was riding on a road trip in the back windshield. Now, you young people don't understand this, but there used to be windshields that came down and there was this little area that you put your speakers that if you were little enough, you could just lay in that area. And I remember laying in that, so safe, so, so safe. I can't believe we survived. We drank out of a hose. We didn't wear helmets. It's crazy what we did, but we survived and we're stronger for it. I was riding back there, I remember looking at the sky and I was seeing the blue and I was seeing the clouds and I remember having a thought, how do we know there's a God? What if there's not? And I kept asking those questions. As I grew older and I found a relationship with Jesus and I started going to the church, I'd read a passage in scripture and I'd question it. One of the first things I remember questioning, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. What? I'm 16. If you lust with your eyes, pluck it out. I'm 16. What? Or if your hand is offended, cut it off. I remember going, that's some strange stuff. And I remember asking the pastor of the little church that I attended, and he pretty much looked at me and went, well, we don't ask those questions. We just have faith. I thought, that's not good enough. (laughs) I want to understand. And so for me, it's always been a process. And so I'm not afraid of asking those hard questions. And you should not be either. When you don't see a personal God, ask the question. And I know where some of you are. 
There comes a time in our life we stop believing in mythical things, right? I named a couple of them in the last service, and there were children under 12. I want to tell you, that's your fault if you bring children under 12 in here. But I'm not going to do it this time. We all get old and we stop believing in some mythical things. And isn't Jesus just one of those? I mean, isn't Jesus just another invention to make us behave? Seriously. Isn't that what the church came up with? So people would fall in line and people would agree. So, yeah, there may be this God, but is Jesus there? You have questions. You have unanswered prayers. You have doubts. I'm okay with that. We should all be okay with that. The Bible says we're to work out our faith with fear and trembling. That means it's okay to go to God and say, God, I don't get it. Why is there evil? God, why have you not answered? God, why have you not shown up? God, why have you not fixed this? God, why do you allow the world to go into a pandemic? If you're a good God, fix this. It's okay to ask those questions. I want to encourage you to ask those questions and work it out. Never give up. In Hebrews 11, it says, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's what the ancients were commended for. So in Hebrews 11, it gives a list of people who had faith, who believed in God. It starts with a man named Abel, who was the first, first sons, Cain and Abel, sons of Adam and Eve. It says that Abel brought a sacrifice better than Cain, and you know what he got for it? Murdered. What? He's a man of faith. He brought a better offering and his brother killed him. It goes on and it talks about Enoch and it talks about Noah. Noah was told the world is going to flood and he spent years building a boat that nobody understood why. But he had faith. And he continued living out that faith. We go to Abraham. Abraham was told to leave the land that he had grown up on, the land of his inheritance, and go to a place that I will show you. And he lived in tents. As a nomad, his two sons, Isaac and Jacob, did the same thing. They lived as nomads. Continues, and we look at this and we say, wow, okay, those people had faith. I get that. But then this summer I came across a verse that I've read, but it really spoke to me. Listen, he's talking about the people of faith, the giants of our faith. He said in verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. All these people kept the faith until they died. They did not receive the things promised. I don't think I'd ever noticed that. So all these men that we're looking at that had faith in God kept their faith, but they didn't get any of the promises. They didn't see the promises. It says only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. In other words, they died without the promises of God being revealed. Abraham never saw the city or the foundation that God built. Abraham never saw the nation. Isaac, Jacob never saw the nation. When they died, the promises were still unanswered. But they kept their faith. They kept their faith. And so for you, for me, as we walk this world, as we see evil, as God doesn't show up when he needs to show up, as God doesn't fix things that he needs to fix, we need to live by faith that God is good even when I can't see it, that God is just, that God is fair, that God is merciful, that God is loving. I might not see the promises. I might not live an abundant life on this world. I may have struggles. I may have heartaches. 
I'm going to have unanswered questions. I'm going to have unanswered prayers. Everyone may leave me. I may be abandoned. But there is one thing that I will hold on to. We have a God that loves us. That's walking in faith. He loves us enough that he sent his son to live a perfect life and to die for an atonement for my sins. They buried him in a grave and thought they were done with him. But three days later, he came back to life. That's faith. And whether God shows up for me or whether God answers my prayers or whether I see his fairness and his justice in my lifetime, I know that one day, one day I'm going to see him face to face. And all my doubts, all my fears are going to disappear. One day, I'm going to see how good God has been to me. This world is going to be a memory, and I'm going to live eternity with him. Why? Because of faith. Now, faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. So I want to invite you in. I want to invite you to join me on this journey, not only to reach the unchurched people, but to bring the people back. That's why this series is called Welcome Home. We want to welcome them back. We want to bring them back. We want to be prepared with an answer. I want you to struggle with me in your faith. I want you to walk with me in your faith. And I want to finish this race and bring back those who have lost their faith. Will you join me in this? Will you be a part of this? I believe this is the next great revival. We have seen incredible things here in the last years, but I believe God wants to do so much more. So those of you listening today in the room, in Ennis, online, join me in this struggle. Join me in this act of faith and go and bring people back to God. Bring people back. Call them home. When they have a question, don't tell them to have faith. Tell them, you know what? Let's struggle with that together. Let's figure that out together. Let's go talk to our pastor. He's as dumb as we are. Let's go. Let's stay in it. Let's keep this faith. I'm begging you to stay on this journey and bring people with you. In James, it says something important. It says, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death And cover over a multitude of sin. How exciting is that? Let's be a part of that. Let's cover over a multitude of sin by bringing people back. Many have walked away. In the last 18 months, we have seen them walk away from our church. From every church, they've walked away. Our staff has been working hard to reconnect our volunteers and to bring you back in. I'm going to be honest. There's some things about God that I do not understand. Can I be totally honest? There's some things about God I don't like. There's some things about God that I want to disagree with. I don't understand why he doesn't show up when his children call him and need him. I don't understand sometimes why he doesn't fix things that need to be fixed or should be fixed or any of us, if we had the ability to fix, we would fix it. But then it all comes down to this. Here's the question I've asked myself. If not Jesus, what? If I walk away from Jesus, what? 
Am I going to follow science? I mean, 600 years ago, science told us the world was flat. Up to 150 years ago, the best treatment for problems was a leech. And I'm not against science. I, I, I agree with science. And, but listen, science changes and moves. I want to believe in something that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's only God. That's only God. So I want to hold on to that. And I want you to hold on with me. Even though some things in your life may not be what you need them to be. You know, the first followers had the same situation in their life. See, Jesus was a rock star. He fed 20,000 people with fish sandwiches. People like that. He brought people back from the dead. People that were blind could see. People that couldn't walk could walk. He was a star. And all these people started following him. In fact, it says they followed him so much, he'd have to get away on a boat to get away from them because they were just so wanted to be near him. In fact, they followed him to a place called Caesarea Philippi, the masses, the crowds. And Jesus stood up one day, and this is what he said. Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, folks, everybody listening looked at that and said, What? Eat your flesh drink your blood it goes on whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I am them on hearing this many disciples went that's a pretty hard lesson what are you talking about is some kind of cannibalism what are you talking about we're going to eat you that's how we have eternal life we eat you I don't get it you're supposed to go into Jerusalem and overthrow the Roman government you're supposed to build the kingdom of God and make it great and Israel is to rule over the world what are you talking about eat your flesh and drink your blood and as the followers begin to talk to one another they didn't understand this is not the Jesus they expected Jesus is not setting them free from bondage. Jesus is not setting up a kingdom. Jesus is not going to feed them every day with loaves and fishes. Jesus is not going to take the 12 that are following closely and set them up as rulers of the world. This is not the Jesus I signed on for. And it says, aware that all his disciples were grumbling, Jesus said, does this offend you? From this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed. They reached a point in their faith journey where their questions weren't answered. They didn't understand some things. God wasn't showing up the way they expected him to show up. And they walked away. He went to those 12. He said, do you want to leave too? Do you want to leave? And to me, Simon Peter says the most impressive thing, even greater than you are the son of God. He looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. That's where we hold on. 
That's where we land. That's faith. God, I don't understand why you don't show up when I need you. I don't understand why you're not fixing some things that need to be fixed. I don't understand why there's evil in the world. I don't understand why children are born with disease. I don't understand all of these things, but I know that you're the Holy One. And I'm going to hang on. I'm going to stay in the journey as much as I don't understand it. For those of you on the edge of disbelief and walking away, for those of you that come across this video later because somebody asked you, to watch it come home come home there's no better place come home folks we believe there's a God if we didn't believe that we'd be the most pitiful people of all to live this life without faith that Jesus is the Holy One of God that he came and lived a life to redeem us from sin and he welcomes us into the Father's family where we will live eternity we may not see the promises here one day we'll see him face to face folks one day this world will be a memory and you will spend eternity with your questions answered with your doubts relieved in the place that God designed us to be a perfect place in perfect harmony hang on let's work together let's try to experience him and feel him in the midst of us Let's understand that when it seems like he's not working, he is working. Let's hold on to he is going to make a way for us and he is going to come through. Let's hold on to that personal relationship with God that yes, there is a heavenly father, but there is Jesus Christ who is in love with me and cares for me and has a plan for me and will never leave me, will never forsake me. And when I am down and when I am hurt and when I've lost my mother and father, when my marriage has been destroyed, when my children are running off the rail, when all of these things come against me, I will hold on to Jesus. You are the holy one. And I have faith. I believe. Would you bow? Father God, we hold on to you. There are people in the room, their life is not abundant right now. Their life is not full of joy. They're struggling. But God, you have the answer. We may not see it while we walk, but God, help us in this life in faith. Help us walk this battle and to never say we give up. God, help us find your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Our hope is that this message inspires you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. We'd love to hear from you and get you connected on your journey. Visit theavenuechurch.com slash connect to get started. To hear the latest from us, don't forget to subscribe. See you soon.